Pandora has the longest and largest amount of listener data compared to any other streaming platform in the world, not just in terms of music genome and, and listening habits, but we know when people listen, how long they listen, what time of day they like listening to what kind of music, when are they more likely to respond to an ad, when will be the wrong time to play them an ad and will they turn the app. That is exciting and fertile territory to explore and, and, and play with because no one actually has data like that at, at scale. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Right now, music and streaming is very solitary. Like we put our earbuds in and we go about yep. our day and we go to work. And back in the 20s, you've got like this big box that's in the dining room and after dinner everybody would sit down and listen to their favorite shows and it was communicative like it was it was a whole community experience and i've been asking like how can we bring that back we found something special in sound we're reinventing it but how can we bring back that really crucial thing and then in walks COVID-19. Now everybody's in the room and it's kind of essential to figure out how can we make this where I mean, the parents need to unplug and join the kids and have yeah. some kind of entertainment that works for everybody. So um, I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, what your experiences are with um, clients coming in and being creative, maybe in that respect. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I mean, on a technical level, one thing that we often talk about is, is context. When we're coming up with creative for audio, there's a huge difference between talking to a family that might be traveling in a car versus me speaking a specific message to someone in headphones. So often what we talk about the difference between like, you know, if you were in front of a hundred people and presenting a keynote presentation, the choice of words that you use are different. The language that you use are different. The way you project your voice is different. That's how different it is um, to do an piece of creative that's going to be effective on one in one context versus another. So being able to speak to a family at home on a smart speaker, that is a very different context from listening to music on headphones Absolutely. or versus listening to uh, you know a podcast in a car during a, a long distance commute. Like there are all different formats. Um, and I think often it's, it's not taken seriously enough. The contextual difference of having headphones in versus a smart speaker versus a giant home stereo versus a smart TV, all of those are so contextually different that we kind of have to approach them really differently. From an advertiser perspective, that's, been, that's actually been a point of inspiration. One of the presentations, we, we focus a lot on, on context and it's usually kind of framed around, you know, if you have a message you want to tell your audience that you need to frame it around the context that they're going to be in. That can also be a point of inspiration. Like if instead of like changing the message based on the time of day or based on the person that you want to speak to, if we know that families are winding down in the evening after 9 p.m. and that it's going to be parents, then maybe that could be the, the concept of a campaign. It could be about talking to parents in a mm. in a relaxed calm way hey it's you know, okay they're you, in bed they're yes, in you're bed okay now. right <laughs> and now we can start we can now use curse words rather than just thinking about it in terms of um, media targeting or, or anything like that you can do all kinds of interesting things with for example connected cars you can do interesting things with uh with smart speakers one thing that we're actually looking at doing now or beta testing right now is voice ads 
uh, ads that you can literally respond to uh, with your voice, which on the basic level that we're testing right now, it's just responding with a yes or a no. Um, but we're already building this out so they can be essentially choose your own adventures with multiple storylines and options. Um, to, I love that. To it's, it's really, really exciting stuff. It's so fascinating. There, I'll tell you one thing to make sure, and I'm sure this is in your brain because you have young, a young child as well. But um, so my son was so proud of himself when he could say Alexa and Alexa responded. But it was also terrifying for me because my daughter, she's five, and she knows don't buy anything. So like when Amazon's like, do you want a free trial for three months? Like yeah. everybody goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my, my son, I don't trust so much. And so when these voice ads do start showing up, I wonder if they have, if, if you're developing something where there's some sort of like child safety lock or something like that. You have to, you have to turn on that, uh, the Amazon free play mode for kids, which costs money. You can buy the separate um, Alexa unit that is like colorful and it's like a kid's, it's a kid's mode. But if you, if you turn it, it's kind of cool though, because like they, they bundle it in with a bunch of uh, content. So it comes with, I think you get a whole bunch of free audio books for kids and it, it basically switches mode. Um, so it doesn't allow you to buy anything. It, it won't allow you to look up stuff that might be not appropriate for children. Uh, yeah, that's, that's been, I definitely have not switched that on for the Alexas in our house. And uh, my issue right now is so I, have, I have two, two kids. Um, my older one uh, is in first grade and he's realized now that he's doing maths and it's definitely not his favorite thing to do. He's realized he can just ask Alexa the question. And oh, no. In the <laughs> oh, no. Which is like, I remember as a kid, like, uh, raiding my parents' drawers to look for a calculator. But, like, the modern equivalent of that is so much easier where you can just Or even ask. flipping to the back of the book for the answers. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the answers to the back of the book. But when you can just literally ask the question to the too easy. artificial intelligent unit next to you. By your voice, and no, it's 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 fascinating. It's it, actually, I think it's fascinating watching kids interact with voice interfaces. You know, from the beginning as a given, like it's it's fascinating actually for me uh, also because I think it it actually opens up their mind to language differently. Because when I see my my seven year old speak to the Alexa device, he knows to simplify his syntax. Like he knows that the unit won't understand a complicated sentence. So he, you know, this is, this kid doesn't understand grammar yet, but he knows that if he simplifies his sentence structure, he's going to get a better result, um, which is fascinating. Like that's. Yeah. I think that we should be, I don't know exactly how this works because kids don't sit still, but like we should be utilizing children for learning these things because yeah, like you said, they just figure it out. You know, yeah. um, I, I think we're probably uh, similar ages, but I did not grow up with the internet. Um, you know, it was like cul-de-sac water balloon fights. That's, that's what summer looked like, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, it was very wholesome. It was very like, leave it to beaverish. Um, but now there's all these opportunities and options that they just like, like my oldest figured out all the stuff on the iPad, like swiping things that you can do. And I'm like, how did you figure this out? Yeah. And it just, it's intuitive. And so I, I feel intuitive. if we can draw into that. It's, a curio it's that innate curiosity, I think yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, 
I'm definitely a pro device parent. Like I, I, like I do limit screen time, um, but I think it's more about the content rather than the device. I'm fine with my kid spending hours on end on an iPad as long as I know that what he's doing on it is something that's. If he's like working out like a like a, a complicated uh, game or something like that, or and uh, and experimenting or you know hopefully creating stuff. Um, I'm not going to stop him from doing that. I think that's that's a fantastic way of, of using technology. And I just wonder with kids that age, starting with technology that early with various interfaces, with touch interfaces, with voice interfaces, um, it's, you know, what are they going to come up with when they're, when they're older? Yeah. Like they, they're going to be the ones that come up with some like amazing technology down the track. So yeah, we're going to like have the foundation set and then they're going to create like this architecture that we're never yeah. going to be able to compete with. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's, their fundamentals are different. Like they understand the, the infinite possibilities from the beginning. Like it's, it's, it's great. It's great. I'm excited about that. It gives me hope. It's so fantastic. Um, so you have a team of people that are very diverse from different yeah. backgrounds, telling different parts of the story, one of which I have interviewed. I have interviewed Steve Keller, and he's lovely. I, I love him. He's wonderful. Uh, you told me that you had a fun story about him. So, so Steve, um, Steve is our Sonic Strategy Director. Uh, he joined us um, about a year ago, but we've had a relationship with him uh, for, for quite some time. And, you know, he's a, he's a big part of what gave me the confidence to change our advertising production team into a creative consultancy. The genesis of this direction goes back to a few years ago when we used to do, we used to do these like national roadshows or we'd go around to all of the, all of the advertising agencies and um, teach them about like what we call like creative best practices for audio, like how you be more creative and more effective specifically in the audio medium. And we realized that, you know, other than like, you know, giving them advice around using things like theater of the mind and really effective copy and, and things like that, technical advice, we realized there was like this big missing component, which is around the psychology of sound that was around the power of sonic strategy. And we would like drop in some of that information into some of our presentations and we realized there was a lot of traction there was a lot of agencies particularly like brand agencies and media agencies that would pick up on that be like hey we want to learn more about this so we started putting together some information and, and, and material and we we started building out this uh program of work that we ended up calling the six dimensions of sound but the whole point of it was to try and convince brand owners that like you need to take sonic strategy as seriously as other elements of your brand. So the whole thing that I always go back to, um, you know, having spent a large part of my career building brand guidelines for brands, you have these tomes, you know, a hundred pages long of, of basically a million ways you should use the logo or how close the logo is allowed to be from a page. Margins and all, all of that, that. stuff. Yeah. And they're great. And they're essentially, you know, the Bible for each brand that lets them know how to keep a consistent brand message across all of their channels. They usually never have a section on audio. Like if there is, there's a page and not even a strategy. So as we were kind of building out the information on, on like why you should be taking this stuff more seriously and how to, how to start, um, we kept 
in our research kept finding uh, the same name pop up and it was Steve Keller. Uh, he has a TED talk. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that yes, you do. It will change your absolute mind about audio. He's also an absolutely charming uh, individual, really smart. Uh, he comes from a, both a music and a science background, um, which gives him like that unique ability to, to think about brands in, in, an, in a really different way from, from the usual people that you find in brand and advertising agencies. Being inspired by uh, Steve's TED Talk, I ended up looking at all of his research and plagiarizing a lot of it. Uh, so a lot of the thought leadership material that we were putting out as Pandora was, uh, was heavily, heavily inspired by Steve's work. Does he know this? <laughs> he does now. Um, we ended up actually totally independent of that. We ended up having uh, Steve come in and work on the sonic identity for Pandora. So when Lauren Nagel, the former executive creative director of, of Pandora, when she was working on the, like, the refreshed Pandora brand, she felt really strongly that Pandora should have a uh, sonic identity because it hadn't for a long time um, mm. for a pretty good reason that, that Lauren decided to change and, and said, we need to have a voice. So she contacted Steve and, and decided uh, they wanted to work together on a sonic identity which gave me access to Steve and that at one, I think there was an evening in France at Cannes, the International Festival Creativity, which is not happening this year. Surprise, surprise. Surprise. Uh, but we were sitting on Pandora's boat in Cannes, which sounds really bougie. It was not <laughs> totally not like that. I, I recognized Steve and got introduced to him and I was having this really awkward conversation with him in thinking, I have stolen so much of this guy's material but I would really love it if he joined our team. It realized actually that he was super keen on, on joining our team, not just because that he wanted to, you know, let me know that I stole all of his work, but more importantly, he was really keen on getting access to our data. Pandora has the longest and largest amount of listener data compared to any other streaming platform in the world, not just in terms of like music genome and, and listening habits, but like, we know when people listen, how long they listen, what time of day they like listening to what kind of music, when are they more likely to respond to an ad, when will be the wrong time to play them an ad and will they turn the app, like all that kind of stuff, which is for someone like Steve who is very science and data orientated, that is exciting and fertile territory uh, for him to explore and, 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 um, and play with because no one actually has data like that at, at scale. That's so that's what Steve wanted to do and, and I wanted Steve's brain to help us guide brands through this kind of new world of sonic strategy. So that conversation on that boat ended up being very fruitful and, and not long after that Steve joined us as a, the Sonic Strategy Director and we're we're glad to have him. I will say though, I used to wear hats. Um <laughs> Very similar to Steve. But oh, Steve, and you stopped like, when he showed up. I had to because, like, his it's like his trademark. It's so good. And he and he and he pulls them off so well. And now I've got this like collection of hats at home that I, I can't wear anymore because if we like you know because we often travel together when we'll turn up and present together. It's just if we both wore hats, it, it it's just not not the the right image. I can't pull it off as well as he can. It's um, his branding now, not yours. It is absolutely yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you plagiarized him. He stole your hats. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. fair. I think it's fair. I, think it's fair. I love it. 
Um, so let's uh, kind of wrap things up. I, I like to ask this question just because my guests are kind of from lots of different angles. Mm-hmm. But um, what have you observed lately that has just been like, oh, that's such a cool idea, whether it's been executed or you've just read about it, but something in the voice or sound industry that's just like, this is so great. What's What's been blowing your mind lately? I'm sure people have said this before, but it's got to be, it's the Google Assistant, right? with its synthetic voice, uh, booking appointments for you. Oh, yes, yes. So the, when they announced, I, I know it's not super recent um, because they announced this, I think about a year and a half ago when it came out. And there's that um, amazing clip of uh, the Google Assistant AI calling a hairdresser, <laughs> I'm very mm-hmm. appropriate right now, calling a hairdresser to make an appointment. And I don't know if people realize this, but like that was a technology preview that they showed this, showed us back then. They're using it now. Like if you go and search for a, uh, like a spa appointment or a hairdresser or something like that um, right now on Google, and if their booking system is not automatically integrated into the internet, um, there's a little icon there that shows you that Google Assistant will make the booking for you. So then if you then choose a, a time and a, and a place, Google will use their assistant system and make a phone call and place that booking for you and then confirm with you that they've done that, which is amazing because the ramifications of that technology really means that synthetic voice is almost so perfect now that they'll fool us. They, they can absolutely call us and make a booking for us. If you listen to that clip from the version a, a year ago, and I'm sure it's improved a lot since then, they've added a lot of interesting, uh, you know, like there's ums and ahs and mm-hmms and, and, and sounds in Subtle. there. Yeah. That, that you'd think wouldn't necessarily be necessary, but those are the things that make us sound more human. These kind of imperfections. I wouldn't be surprised if like the current version has things like vocal fry in it and, and, you know, maybe some gross saliva sounds from a dry mouth. Hopefully not too much. Hopefully, hopefully not too much, but it, you know, it's terrifying and exciting at the same time. Like any new technology is right. like it, the, the ethical ramifications of it are, are huge. Um, but you know, no different from the fact that you can't trust any photograph anymore. Right. right. Um, any photograph can be, um, can be faked. In the same way now that you can't trust an audio recording to be an actual real human being, it could be completely fabricated. Have you heard on that same thing, uh, same idea when they created the AI generated Joe Rogan voice? So they sampled Joe Rogan's podcast because perfect. The guy has like thousands and thousands of hours of just talking right. um, and created a artificial version of Joe Rogan's voice. And it sounds completely believable it's it's insane i don't think it's going to replace voice actors i don't think that's you know that's it's going to make them disappear just like you know cg has not replaced actors Um, but in terms of how it's going to change the industry it's huge you know but when you think about if you think about things like e-learning or training or the fact that we're now starting to see uh, a lot of publishers um, have audio versions of articles, people like to consume uh, journalism through audio more now than, than maybe just reading a screen. I actually, I just noticed, I think, was it the New York Times just bought Autumn? Hey, oh. that, yeah, okay. they just saw, that, just saw that the other day. I think 
audio journalism is is probably going to be a, a big thing in uh, 2021. That's my prediction um, based on these kind of technologies that, that are becoming available. Of course, there's always going to be voiceover artists recording these things. But when you think about the scale of maybe a giant publisher um, putting out, like a Condé Nast, right? If they wanted to go, oh, we want to have audio versions of every single article we put out, you could do that very easily with a synthetic voice and and the more real they, they start to sound then you know people also get used to listening to content like that like that's that's huge oh that seriously that would be amazing to me like if i could there's so many articles i want to read but if i'm with the kids that day forget it like i'm going to read a sentence and then i'm going to go away for 30 minutes and read another, it's not but if i'm in the car and i'm coming back from somewhere with them in the back and i could do an audio of the article while i'm driving that would be great, you know? Exactly. It's huge. Have you, have you tried Curio? No. Curio, uh-uh. Curio is, is a, a service that's attempting to do that. They've like teamed up with a bunch of different publishers, but it's like, it's, but it's a curated feed, right? So it's like they sure. upload about 10 new articles a day. Um, and the recordings are, are fantastic. They've got great voiceover artists. I really like listening to it, but they're not the articles that I'm going after. Right. Like, Ours are very niche, yeah. very niche articles. They have uh, big publishers like the Washington Post. They have like things like Wired and The Economist and stuff in there. There's there's a lot of kind of world news type mm-hmm. stuff um, in there. But you know, sometimes I want to read like about like trashy television and, and I want to read a long form <laughs> Something article from the about, Vulture. <laughs> yes, I want to read the Vulture's expose of you know how they put together Tiger King. Like I want I want to read that. Um, and I'm, I doubt there's going to be an audio version of that yet. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. And I was going to touch on, you were talking about how um, the voice assistants, like for the scheduling and everything like that, you said you don't think it would necessarily get rid of voiceover artists. I'm also thinking of, you know, like that, that secretary at the salon office, like does that get rid of her job or something like, or his job, whichever. But, um, but what I'm thinking is this, this new, you know, merger of whatever they're figuring out, it, it makes me think a lot of, um, just creating new types of jobs, things are going to like kind of morph into other things. And the best example that I would have for that is, I can't remember his name, drives me crazy because I know his name, but Gollum, the guy who plays Gollum in Lord of the Rings. What is his name? Ah, the actor. Anthony Circus. Oh, Circus, yes, yes. Okay, he created a brand new kind of actor. And then he became like the the go-to guy teaching all these people on how to act with a blue screen and dots, like balls all yeah. over your, your yep. body and stuff. Yep, absolutely. You know, and then then he was super amazing and smart. And now he's like producing and directing and doing all that stuff. But I mean, he created a whole new genre. And I think that that sort of thing has the tendency to go that direction. I think so. I think you're right. I think that if we're thinking about voice acting um, currently, you know, the, you as a voice actor, your job is to exchange your time um, say stuff and it gets recorded and that gets used. I think what will morph for that role in, in the same way is voice actors will start becoming trainers. They will train different AIs and, and, and voice activated synthetic voices to be able to inflect in certain ways. Cause creativity is something that is inherently human. That's something, I mean, as much as I have faith in technology, I think there is a really truly at the heart human place where, where creativity comes from that I don't think within our lifetimes we'll be able to completely automate. So that element of being able to train 
devices and technologies and artificial intelligences to be able to you know perform in certain ways i think that's what's what that role of a, a voiceover artist might morph into in that same kind of way that, that's kind of exciting as well because that also means that we might be able to create new voices that have never existed before like the idea of like i saw not long ago there was uh something that i can't remember who put it out the the non the synthetic voice that was like a non like non-binary gender it was like a oh i can't remember the name of it yeah, I mean, I'm re- I remember listening to that going, I like this in concept, but listening to it, I, I thought, I, I don't think it quite nails what they're, what they're trying to achieve with it. But I, I, it excites me about the future because it means, like, what, People what are kind experimenting. Of, yeah, what kind of new voices are they going to create? Because right yeah. now, we identify voices based on uh, regional differences, dialect differences, and and gender differences but sound is kind of the the potential is infinite right so like well what what other things can we do there it might actually open up and create complete new forms of of audio expression that that we were only limit we're you know we're limited right now based on the biology of our of our mouths throats and chests like if that is lifted and we could create anything that we wanted what is that going to be where is that going to go that's exciting that's a killer thought. I love that. And I, I, I want to end on that because that was really good. Roger, thank you so much for joining me today on the Sound of Marketing podcast. I could talk to you for a really long time, but I'm going to run out of time. So <laughs> this, this, was, this was really fun. This was my highlight of the week. So oh, thank you so much. So sweet. I'm so glad you had fun. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Your voice platform holds such a huge possibility for marketing and advertising. And with Pandora's vast collective of data and analytics, we are able to predict and aim our marketing ventures appropriately and effectively. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Aisha. We all make sounds. Let's make them on purpose. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.